0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to TMT Time. I'm your host, Evan Rothstein. Today, I have two guests, or rather, a co host from my own firm and a special guest from the United States government. So, we have to be very careful about what we say, or I may be followed home or censored or God knows what. Uh, my, My co host is Jessica Kaiser who just joined Arnold Porter from the patent office where she was a lead administrative patent judge. Don't worry, Jessica, I will let you introduce yourself too. And our special guest is Molly Kachalski, who is the regional director of the Rocky Mountain region for the United States Patent and Trademark Office. I had to get that correct because I mistakenly said she was in charge of the Denver office and she recoiled in horror because she has a much bigger a uh, group of people that work with her on that team so I'm going to stop now Jessica first you introduce yourself to our listeners cuz this is your first tour on TMT time
1: Yeah thanks for thanks for having me Evan and it's great to be here I joined Arnold on the Porter just on March 1st of this year and as you said I was a, a lead administrative patent judge based in the Rocky Mountain uh, region of the Patent Office. Um, I had been with the Patent Office since 2014, and so I'm very happy to join the podcast and especially pleased to have Molly on as well, because Molly and I have worked very closely together for years, and I think she was a little bit annoyed at me when I left the Patent Office to go back into private practice, but maybe uh, maybe being on the podcast with her will get me a little bit of, uh, of forgiveness and goodwill. It'll definitely get you ice cream.
0: All right, Molly, your turn. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: Hello, everybody. I'm Molly Kachowski. I am, as Evan said, the regional director of the Rocky Mountain U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Um, Prior to being in the office, I was in private practice, but I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, But my role at the USPTO really is to be the face of the agency in the region. Um, I don't think anybody um, that has interacted with the IP system thinks that it's intuitive. (laughs) So we really do need to have um, a number of people doing education and outreach for the agency to explain the agency to some people, to explain the IP system to some people, and then also to explain intellectual property. So as I like to say, we meet people on their IP journey where they are and um i will talk to anybody about ip so just ask the questions
0: so uh before we started going here the three of us had an outrageous amount of technical difficulties uh and i was saying there's three technology focused lawyers on this podcast at one time yet we the collectiveness of us can't get our video and audio working at the same time uh not only that Molly came to Jessica and Mai's offices in downtown Denver to record this podcast, but neither Jessica nor I are actually physically there. So even though the two of us that work for Arnold and Porter, uh, we are not in the Denver office at the moment, but Molly is and is recording live from the Denver office. So this is the first TMT time to be hosted from the Denver office while the hosts are actually not physically present. So Molly, there's another check in your corner. Uh, I want to get in right into it. Um, it is rare, people probably don't recognize this, but it is rare to have two very um, prominent women from the USPTO, one former, on uh, the same podcast, because there is a dearth of women both in technology and technology and law, but also at the US Patent Office. And I know, uh, Molly, this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Uh, and you too, Jessica. So I'd really like to start there because I have both of you right now um, and a captive audience. And Jessica, I'll let you go first. Tell us about your journey to the Patent Office and now back into private practice.
1: Yeah, so I I agree, Evan. That is a a topic that I'm very interested in and, and very interested in promoting women um, in STEM fields generally and in um, patent practice in particular. And, uh, I started out, uh, as an engineer, I went to the Colorado School of Mines out in Golden, Colorado, and I started my career as an engineer working in the oil and gas industry. Um, so I, I, from a very, um, young adult have always worked in quite male dominated fields. Um, I can remember being out in West Texas oil fields and I was the you know, the only woman with a bunch of good old boys. And it was a fantastic growing experience, honestly, and a fantastic experience for learning how to relate to all um, different kinds of people and finding common ground with all different kinds of people. I uh, went from that career as an oil and gas engineer um, to law school and became a a patent lawyer as many engineers who go to law school ultimately do become. And did uh, private practice, primarily patent litigation at a large international law firm in Chicago. And then ultimately uh, when my kids were little made the transition into government to the Patent Trial and Appeal Board. And so, uh, and you know, I think throughout that time you just see a different variety of context and sort of the barriers, one of the barriers to entry for women is there just aren't as many women in STEM fields generally. And then you sort of make a cut there for the the women who go back to law school. And then particularly in private practice and at bigger law firms, it seems to be just the work-life balance overall can be a challenge for women staying in big law to um, a point where they get to the more senior levels. And so you really do see a relatively small number of women partners at large law firms in patent law. And so one of, one of my goals is to continue to mentor people in the pipeline in the hopes to grow, grow those ranks. And I will
2: sign on to all of that. Um, I will, I'll put some numbers on it, right? Women make up about 50% of the population. We only hold about 25% of the STEM jobs, um, at least as they're identified by um, some of our sister agencies, including Census. Uh, and then um, we, we find, right, so of the 45,000 or so active registered patent attorneys and agents or practitioners, as the USPTO likes to refer to them, um, about 22% of them are women. So when you think about, you know, kind of that narrowing down, uh, the funneling down, if you will, um, it's really concerning for the profession because, and, and this is just something that I have found. I have found over the course of my career, both as an engineer and as a lawyer, that the more brains and the more differences between those brains that you bring to a project, the better off your result is. Because you have somebody thinking about things that you don't necessarily think about, we all tend to get tunnel vision because of our own experiences, and so I think when you can add different brains into the project, it really makes for a richer solution um, at the end of the day. And so um, I, I agree with Jessica. I think um, now I tend to be very humorous about it. Um, I think that there's a lot of people who have, you know, been the uh, the the butt of my joke about this, but I've literally walked up to panels and said, looks like I'm the only woman here. So put me in the middle so that we all have the photo. Um, and we don't appear on the all male Twitter panel, uh, uh, feed. So, um, or, you know, I mean, I remember walking into one room and realizing that of four companies that were dividing up a patent portfolio, I was the only woman. So I just joked and I'm like, well, I guess I get the bathroom to myself." So. I I will say, right? Like it, it, but it's come a long way. Um, I remember being the only woman at council table when I was in private practice. Um, and now I see a lot more women coming up, but I think, um, you know, as Jessica said, right, we all have those choices that we end up making as our lives unfold. Um, and, and what impact that has on our career. So to the extent that I can help assist a shoulder to cry on whatever that might be to help um you know another woman stay in the field of patent law um i'm more than happy to do it because i think this career is amazing um i have loved for the past and my cousin just reminded me because they got married on my graduation date so i've been a patent attorney for 25 years and um i yeah i haven't loved every moment i'm gonna say that like you know those litigation days when I was you know, looking through documents. Um, those weren't great, but um, I have loved living at the intersection of technology and law for the last 25 years and I wouldn't trade it for anything. So I, I just hope that that inspires somebody else to maybe say, maybe this is the profession for me.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I'll just echo one thing that Molly said about diversity of viewpoints, because I think that's so important. Because what, what we do as, as patent lawyers, whether in the government, whether in private practice, it's really all about problem solving. And so you're looking at, you know, various problems from different perspectives. You're looking at the legal perspective. You're looking at the technical perspective. And trying to sort of crack that nut, um, I may only look at it one way and only see one way to do it. But if somebody else comes in and they've got different, different background, different experience, different life experiences, just different ways of looking at things. And I I had this experience all the time as a judge, because we sit on panels of three at the PTAB. And so somebody else would come and they'd say, did you think about it this way? And I hadn't. And it was really, really helpful So I think not just in terms of gender, but in terms of life experience, in terms of different backgrounds, that can be so helpful to legal teams and really coming out with the best solution for your client or just the best decision making or what have you.
2: So we tend to, when we start talking about diversity in the profession, it tends to devolve to gender. Um, and, And part of that is because gender is really the only numbers that the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office actually feels comfortable talking about. Um, because we are, at least with a relative degree of certainty, able to determine um, both on the inventor side and on the patent attorney side um, or patent practitioner side, uh, like who's who from a gender perspective. Um, and, and, but it is only one dimensional. There is no intersectionality that we understand at the USPTO because the USPTO doesn't collect any demographic information from anybody, whether it's an inventor or a practitioner. And so I think, you know, when we want to have these conversations about who's participating in the intellectual property system, we have to have it from an inventor perspective, um, and we have to have it from a practitioner perspective, but we also need more data. We need to understand who people really are when they're coming before the agency. So um, I know that there are a number of things that are pending before Congress right now, Um, obviously not going to comment on the wisdom or not wisdom of any of those until they become real. Um but I do think right, you know, you can't figure out where you need to go unless you know where you are.
0: So I'm going to unpack that a little bit um with the first comment which is I agree on the diversity of thought argument that both of you put forth. And the reason why is because you know, if we sit in an echo chamber um uh, with people that look like us, sound like us, have similar backgrounds as us, we're not going to get to the right solution and we're just going to all have group think and agree. And it is hard to force the folks with different backgrounds into the equation when there's all sorts of things stacked up against them. And I feel like at the patent office with inventors and with counsel and with judges, there has been a dearth of diverse practitioners at all levels. And I love, Molly, what you're saying about starting at the inventor level um, we are a non-political podcast here at TMT time so I'm not going to get into what Congress is doing either um, however you know it is good to hear that you are, are thinking about these issues both you know starting at the beginning who's who is applying for patent protection who is getting patent protection and then who's coming in front of both you know first the examiners but then the patent office whether it's that you were in front of Jessica and um, the PTAB, or otherwise, um, because you want, if you're going to go in front of a board or in front of an examiner, you want to make sure that that person has a good background and a diverse background so that absolutely are to the same type of people every single time. So Jessica, I'm going to ask you a question. When you sat on these panels and had lawyers and patent practitioners, I guess is what Molly wants me to call them, come before you. You know, anecdotally, what did you see? Did you see diversity? Did you hear diversity? Or was it a lot of, you know, sameness?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, one of the things that I loved just being um, a judge at the PTAB was there are an awful lot of amazing women judges and diverse judges at the PTAB. I don't have statistics. Maybe Molly has those statistics, Um, but I don't have statistics. But I remember a number of times being on panels that were all women. Um, and these are electrical panels, right? So they're panels about, about tech inventions generally that were all women or, um, <clears throat> or, or other ways that the panels were diverse. And I, like I mentioned before, I always thought that that was really helpful for, for decision making. I do think that the, um, the practitioners who appeared before us by and large were not diverse, um, Some diversity of backgrounds, certainly educational, different educational backgrounds, different types of degrees, different size of law firms, things of that nature, certainly. Um, But when I think about it, very few women, um, some, you know, very few diverse attorneys. And I do think it is a focus um, of the new director. And I am really looking forward to seeing what she does to encourage um, more diversity among practitioners.
2: And Jessica, I think there's like a, a collective will at this point on that front. So that's one of the reasons why you see um, the patent trail and appeal board introducing the LEAP program. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for we, if, if you, as a partner, allow a younger associate to argue the case, we give you an extra 15 minutes, even on ex parte appeals, um, which I think is really cool, but it gets them that experience. It gets them that resume builder Um, you know, and, and I think it's, it's an amazing program. I think you're going to see, I know we're working on a patent pro bono program to help under resourced individuals, um, you know, do things in front of the patent trial and appeal board. There's a trademark trial and appeal board pro bono program that's going to be coming online pretty soon. Um, our patent pro bono program helps under resourced inventors. And I think it all goes back to, When when our founding fathers put the patent clause into the Constitution, there was a reason they put it in the Constitution, not in the Bill of Rights, not anywhere else. They were very deliberate about those things, and they really believed that America would succeed on the ingenuity of all of its citizens. And we know that the ingenuity of all of its citizens are not participating in the IP system. Um, there's several studies that are out there. I just read another one by the Hamilton Project. Um, but there's the Bell study that talks about, you know, who gets to be an inventor. And we find location matters, socioeconomic status matters, gender matters, race matters. I mean, pretty much any factor you can think of really matters about who becomes an inventor. Uh, children from a higher socioeconomic status. Uh, status stand a 10x chance of becoming an inventor than anyone else. That's crazy. That means we've made it basically a bi-coastal rich person's game um, in, in the IP system. And that's not what our founding fathers intended. And so we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to encourage people to believe that they're inventors because I think the number one thing I hear from people is, well, I never thought I was an inventor. And I've heard that from a master inventor for IBM who has like 140 patents to her name. Um, So I I think, you know, we need to change the conversation. And I think that even starts at at a much lower level than even universities. Um, I think that starts, you know, with with putting IP education into even the, the elementary and the middle schools. Um, age appropriate, of course, right? But um, you know, really starting to talk about intellectual property and innovation as one, and really doing that education at much lower levels than we have in the past. And I think the USPTO so has plug, a voice for that.
0: Can you plug the, the Colorado one where my kids went, and maybe your kids went, called Silicon STEM? So there's, there's a
2: number of things we do in Colorado. There's Silicon STEM, um, the boulder stem stuff there's camp invention um I know Medtronic does a um what do they call it invention convention where the Medtronic patent attorneys will write the winner's patent application for free um it's really cool, so I think right there's there's a collective will I think there's perhaps some harnessing of that collective will that can be done. Um, but I also think right, when you think about who in the IP system should be doing that, I will make the case that it should be the US Patent and Trademark Office. And number one, I make that case because I think we've done a good job. Like Jessica said, I've not had the experience of being part of uh, even having a best friend in any organization I've been in that was a another female patent attorney. Um, of the regional directors, fully half of us are female patent attorneys. Um, Admittedly, that's only two of four. But still, um, I'm I'm counting it. Um, But no, we do a really good job, right? Uh, Our examining core is about 30% female. um, And that 30% stays relatively consistent all the way up into our executive ranks. And so I've had conversations where you know, it's it's any number of women who are on the phone, um, you know, really trying to, to put policy in place, implement policy um, and make things better. So it, it, it's been a very interesting experience for me on that front. Um, and I'd like to see everybody have that. So I think the USPTO has a role um, and a voice. We also have the mission. Um, so I think we have a little bit of authority. I think we have a little bit of persuasive authority, perhaps. Um and, and we'd really like to see that harnessed across the nation, which, of course, is the reason for our Council for Inclusive Innovation um, that we started, I want to say, two years ago. Don't quote me on that. Um, and it went through a rebranding, but they're developing a national strategy um, for, you know, <laughs> honestly, the United States to really focus on, you know, increasing the diversity in inventors as well as increasing the diversity in
1: our patent bar system. So I want to pick up on um, a couple things that Molly said that I'll just add plugs for. Um, One is Camp Invention. Um, My kids went to Camp Invention a year or so ago, and it's super fun and a great way for, you know, it's, it's co-sponsored, I think, or generally run by the patent office, um, but, but available in locations across the country. Um, and a great way for kids to sort of get that idea around innovation, inventing, coming up with something different, and it's just fun. Um, So science isn't boring. Science is fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing uh, I wanted to give a plug for is the LEAP program at the PTAB. And I I was recently at a conference in Washington, D.C., And I was just, you know, talking and networking with some people. And a a young attorney came up to me and he said, are you Judge Kaiser? And I said, well, I, I used to be, but I just went back into private practice. And he said, well, I did a leap argument for you about in front of you about a year ago. And it was such a great experience for me. It was my first time ever arguing in front of any tribunal. And just having that feedback and connection was really amazing that that for this young lawyer, that program mattered. And I did remember his argument. I remember that he did a really good job. Um, but as Molly said, it's very low risk because, you know, for clients, for counsel, because you get the extra 15 minutes um, and and other more experienced counsel can also, um, you know, come and, and help as needed. And so it really is a great way to Um, give these opportunities to younger lawyers. And it means a lot. It means something.
2: I'm so thrilled to hear that story. That's awesome. Because, you know, that was like the biggest day in his career. And you were a part
1: of it. And you remembered. He remembered. So that was, you know, it was great for me, too. It made me feel really good as well. So hopefully you were nice. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to know how you were, why you wanted to voluntarily give up the title of Judge Kaiser. I mean, once you have that, how do you go back?
1: You know, my kids would never call me Judge Kaiser. Oh yeah. Um, So, you know, it didn't, it didn't have any gravitas in my house anyway, and so, no. I mean, I think um, we all want to continually be growing in our careers, and this just felt like um the next step for me to continue to grow was to go back to the to the advocacy that i had known before i went into the government.
2: Yeah. We don't do a lot of ip. Like at least not in my role. Um i haven't honestly written anything that isn't in powerpoint <laughs> in 6 <laughs> years. So i don't know if i can do anymore. Um, but, you know, I, there, there's some days when you have the itch to say, you know, it would be really neat. It would be really neat to represent a client again. It would be really neat to, you know, kind of get out there and devise a strategy. Um, that, that said, I have the best job in the IP system, I think. Um, and it's an amazing platform and the USPTO is an amazing place to work.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you have a a platform to amplify your voice in a manner in which, you know, even, you know, law firms can't do it. No offense, Jessica, you know, your voice can only go out like on TMT time. Uh, But Molly gets to get up and represent the government, you know, in this region and and nationally. uh, And I have seen her do so on on numerous occasions, uh, including one that is coming up. And I'm going to give a plug for it, which is the CBA CLE the IP Institute here in Westminster, Colorado of which Molly has been a what co- or lead sponsor for what 5 years?
2: I've been on the planning committee for 12 years of my life.
0: Okay, 12 um, years. For Undershot 12 that years. by half, more than half.
2: Yeah. Um no, it's it's an amazing program. Um, you know, I was at the first one. Um, I don't think I was at I haven't been at all of them. Um, but this is our 20th anniversary, too. So um, I'm really hoping we are doing it in person at the Weston in Westminster, and I'm really hoping to see everybody. That was personal, not my USPTO hat. That was a personal um, plug. But um, I'm yep. very much looking forward to getting back to the IP Institute.
0: Uh, Arnold Porter is a sponsor. I'm speaking. Jessica will be there. We hope you join us in person. This podcast is going to post before the conference. so when it posts, you will still have time to sign up uh, and reach out. And if you go, you should come to my session, but also come and talk to Jessica and Molly, not Judge Kaiser, former Judge Kaiser, um, because, uh, you know, maybe you get some pointers on how to appear before the PTAB. So Molly, we have a new uh, head of the PTO. She was sworn in about a month ago, Kathy Vidal. What are you looking for from her in terms of support for the initiatives that were either going to get carried forward from previous administration or things that you're looking for new on the horizon?
2: Um, so, one of the things um, that Director Vidal has been very, very open about already is, is her, um, her support, Her it's more than support, um, her advocacy, her passion for um, uh, diversity and inclusive innovation. Um, And we just released, actually yesterday, a new webpage on inclusive innovation, so I encourage everybody to check that out. I think you're going to see an awful lot of things come out of the agency on that topic. Um, She also just announced this morning a Green Tech, well, we're calling it Green Tech 2, but I believe the official title is Climate Change Mitigation, um, maybe Innovations Pilot Program, but it's basically a fast-track program for patent applications that have to do with climate change mitigation, resiliency, and adaptation. Um, our climate working group had been working on that for the last year, but we were able to announce that here in Colorado at the ARPA e-conference, which is it, where I came from. So I just came from seeing Director Vidal um, to this podcast. And, and I think you know she brings an amazing amount of, of breadth uh, from her practice, um, a, an amazing amount of energy Um, uh, and, and, and I think, you know, you're going to see, I think she just published a blog that says just getting started. Um, I think you're going to see a lot come out from the agency. Um, it, it seems like, you know, she took the time while she was waiting for confirmation to just kind of line up everything and we're going to release it all. And, and then she's going to tackle new things. So I think you're going to see a whole bunch of things come out from her. I do know that the patent trial and appeal board is a focus as well. Um, I think you're going to be seeing a number of things come out on that. I won't steal her thunder on any of it, um, but I, I do think that, um, you know, that will be a focus. And and I really do believe, like, she wants what's best for America. She wants what's best for the IP system. So I, I think it's going to be a really interesting three years.
0: Jessica, I don't know if you... The, so Molly has... Now said what's best for America. Also talked about the Constitution and the Founding Fathers. We're going to old school on this podcast and our, our pro-government advocacy. Uh, Jessica, I know that um, we wanted to hit some uh, things that we do in our spare time before we run out of time and we can let Molly get out of our office <laughs> since we're not there. <laughs> um, uh, what You guys are you know, prominent patent practitioners. I had to get that right again. Uh, Jessica, you go first. What do you do in your spare time now that you have less of it? That you've left the government, and if I've made that assumption incorrectly, kindly let me know.
1: Uh, you have indeed not made that assumption incorrectly, but but I will say one, one of the great things um, that I've discovered um, getting to know Evan um, in the in the short time that I've been at Arnold and Porter is that we both are uh, adult fans of Lego. Um, it I, I, I have learned there is an acronym, it's AFOL, Adult Fans of Lego. And um, so I, um, in my spare time, enjoy building um, fun Lego kits. Usually my nine-year-old will sit with me and she will make up stories, um, have her um, Lego friends come build or come visit my Lego builds and things like that. So it's a nice um, parenting moment, but I also just find... There's a lot of calmness in um, interacting with the bricks and 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 building fun things.
0: Yeah, Molly. If you look, if you walk around our office, you will notice Legos in both Jessica's and my office currently. And if um, you come to mind, what mine, are you doing we'll when you are not? There. <laughs> yeah, when you, Molly, when you're not stumping for the U.S. of A. and our innovation system, um, what are you doing?
2: So, um, it's no secret. So I love Legos. First of all, Um, I think the only Lego I have in my office is a frozen one and the women of NASA. Um, but those are both in my office, um, at the agency. Um, I love live music and so I'll try and fit in live music wherever I can. I also have very eclectic taste in music. So, um, yeah, that, that's interesting. Last week when I was at um, AIPLA's spring meeting in New Orleans, I dragged along friends to Preservation Hall to see the Preservation Hall band All Stars. Um, So, like, I love the history of music. I love the interconnectedness of it, too. So um, there's all of that. And I have a great concert schedule coming up. Um, But as Jessica knows, I also like to bake. Um, so, um, I've gotten away from it in recent years and, but I'm getting back into it, especially now that the Rocky mountain office is going into phase three, um, from our pandemic response. And we're going to be opening the office to the public tomorrow, May 25th.
0: Awesome. All right. Before we sign off, I want each of you to give, you know, one spot of advice to young lawyers that are coming up that are thinking about getting into IP or technology law and in particular diverse or, or women lawyers that are thinking about getting in, what's the best thing about it? Why should they you know, sign up?
1: So maybe I'll go first and I'll just say, um, you know, it's all the fun things you love about technology, but solving really, really interesting problems and constantly learning. I I'm always at my best when I'm all constantly being challenged and I feel like this is a career where I have constantly been challenged and constantly had to grow and learn. And so it's just so fun. So dynamic you get to to meet and um, work with interesting people on the legal side, on the tech side. And then the piece of advice I would have is not to be afraid to stretch outside of your comfort zone. Um, you know, it, it's it's always easy to, to just sort of stay where you are and not stretch yourself. And I think, you know, pushing yourself to try a different kind of case, learn about a different kind of technology, do something that you haven't done before. Um, more times than not, you will be successful if you just try. How do I follow that, Jessica? I mean...
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. I'll echo everything that, that, that Jessica said. Um, I, again, I have loved this career. Um, I have had the opportunity to meet and interact with some of the smartest people I know. Um, and, and they're also the coolest people I know. So that, that works out really, really well. Um, I I will always say, um, find your tribe. Um, and, and, you know, my tribe happens to be really geeky patent attorneys um, and, and patent agents and practitioners. So I, I really feel like I have found my tribe. Um, and the, I, the one piece of advice I give to every young lawyer, um, no matter who you are, is your career is a marathon, not a sprint. So really, even in the, even in the early days, when everything feels overwhelming, look at it as that marathon look at it as that journey and it's going to take a lot of twists and turns um but you know if you stay in it it's so worth it um you know you could end up and then this is the second piece of advice you could end up somewhere really really amazing um and and on the way up um or on the way through your journey Make sure that you're bringing along others and that, you know, you're, um, you're treating others with respect and kindness because you also never know where someone else might end up. Um, I, I love to tell the story and I hope that she gets confirmed soon. Um, but I love to tell the story. I was Nina Wong's secretary treasurer for the Colorado bar IP section when she was the president. No idea that she wanted to be judge Wong someday. And I'm so proud of her that she is, but I had no idea at the time. Um, Luckily we get on like, you know, we just like each other. So, but right. It was just one of those things where you never know where somebody's going to end up. So again, I think it's really worthwhile. And I always say this, especially to the Denver practitioners, the Denver IP community is the biggest small town you'll ever know. Um, Everybody knows everybody, right? Evan.
0: Oh yeah. A hundred percent.
2: Yeah. So there's that.
0: All right. Thank you both so much for your time. I appreciate you guys' time so much and your words of wisdom for our our young listeners and our young lawyers.